Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Good morning, everybody. Good to see all of you. I want to say good morning and welcome to our online folks as well. Thank you for joining us. Wow, we got a, we got a packed house today. <laughs> well, we're excited because uh, today um, we're having water baptisms. So we're excited. Um, if, they, if you're being water baptized today, you mind just waving your hand so people um, in the audience can see you. A lot of them, they're up front. Yeah, we got a couple over here. We got a few over here. We have six folks getting baptized. So I'm excited. We're going to celebrate their new life um, in Christ today. And so I just, there's a lot going on in the world right now, but I just want to see if we can take a brief pause from all of that and just celebrate who God is and what he's done. Amen. So I want to talk about water baptism, but not only water baptism, but Holy Spirit baptism. Because Jesus said, I baptized, John baptized you with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. So we're going to baptize these folks on my right and on my left. We're going to dunk them in water, and then we're going to lay hands on them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen. So for those, and that's what I want to talk to us about. For those of us that have been dunked in water and dunked in the Holy Spirit, it's the word what the word baptized means, dunked or soaked or submerged. For those of us that have already experienced it, I want us to to do two things. A, I want us to celebrate with those that are doing this for the first time today. Amen, can we do that? Secondly, I want us to remember what God has done for you. You think back to the day that you were dunked in that water and that you came up new. Think about that day where the Holy Spirit came and dwelt on the inside of you and filled you with his life and his fire. Amen. Can we celebrate those two things today? Anybody? Awesome. I love it. You know, one of the most effective ways to increase our intimacy with God, to walk in the God-given destiny that he's given us, and to walk in victory over sin is to remember how great God is and what he's done for us. So let's remember what he's done for us today, how he's given us his grace and mercy through his son Jesus and made us new in the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, Acts chapter 2. Let's get that on the screen or you can open your Bible there. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 42. We got that coming up. I need it in the back. I'll give you a moment all to turn there. Okay, can we get it like four times bigger than that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to use my Holy Spirit laser vision to see this here. Okay, all right, you guys can leave it as is. I can see it. All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Let's read it. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, This Jesus, whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Just a few more verses here. 
And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, those who had received his word were baptized. Say baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. One more verse. And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everybody, for reading that with me. So Peter here in Acts chapter 2, they've got the 120 gathered. Jesus has risen from the dead. He's ascended into heaven, and he's told them, not many days from now, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So they're in the prayer meeting. They're in the waiting period for Jesus to do what he said. And then as, this, as, we, as many of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the story, they're praying in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes like a mighty rushing wind as tongues of fire. They're filled with this spirit and they begin speaking in a foreign language. They begin speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. And then Peter gets an opportunity here. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and he preaches the gospel with boldness and with power. Because Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. And Peter stood up, and he witnessed, he testified to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he boldly spoke to the people, and he said, this Jesus, whom you crucified, God has made him both Lord and Messiah. And they were pierced to the heart. Have you ever been pierced to the heart when the message is preached? Have you ever heard the gospel preached and it cut you to the heart where you say, that's true. I am convinced that that message, that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and God has made him both Lord and Messiah, that is a true message from God. That's what happened that day on Pentecost. And they were cut. And they asked the Lord, what? They asked Peter, what should we do? What do we do in response to this message and to this piercing conviction that we've received in our heart. And Peter answered this way. He said, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, repent. Repent means to turn. It literally means you're going in one direction. You stop, you turn around and you go in the other direction. Someone I know had a dream one time before they came to the Lord, and I'd been praying for them to know Jesus. You know, when you know someone in your life, a friend or a family member that doesn't know Jesus, you know it helps when you pray for them, that they would know Jesus. God will start speaking to you about them. He'll start telling you how to pray for them specifically. God was giving me dreams about this individual that were helping me pray more specific prayers. Anyway, this person comes to me and says, Matthew, I had this dream. Can you help me understand what it means? Okay. And so they're describing the dream, and I'm, I'm in a car, and I'm driving on the highway, and there's these giant arrows on the road, and they're pointed in the opposite direction that I'm going. <laughs> and this big semi... <laughs> comes and hits me and the car rolls off to the side and I, I'm alive, but I, 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 my car is totaled. It's a total crash. And they're like, do you know what this means? I say, I, say, I think I know what it means. <laughs> so, 
You're going the wrong way. <laughs> Turn around <laughs> or your life is going to get wrecked. And that's a true word of the Lord. If you are going your own way, if you're going the opposite direction God's called you to do, and you don't turn around, unless you repent, you will surely perish, Jesus says. Your life will be wrecked. Your life will be destroyed. Thank, thanks be to God, this person, not long after, gave their life to the Lord and asked to be baptized. And I mean, this person still walking with the Lord today. Amen. You got to repent but you don't just have to repent. You don't just repent and pray a prayer, although that's really key. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Be baptized. Be dunked. Be soaked. Be submerged in water. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So, we've talked about repentance. Let's talk about baptism and in water and baptism in spirit. Baptism, as we discussed, is a command. It's not an option for someone who wants to take up their cross and follow Jesus. It is a commandment from the Lord. Go, therefore, baptizing and preach the good news. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So not only are we commanded to be baptized personally, but as the church, we're commanded to go to the nations and baptize. So it's a command. But the scripture talks about baptism in a number of other ways. And I want to talk to us today, for those that haven't been baptized, I'm describing to you what's going to happen when you go in those waters and come out. So are you listening, people getting baptized? Yes, I got some head nods. Can you give me a little verbal affirmation here? Are you listening, those getting baptized? Yes, thank you so much. And for those that have been baptized, I'm going to remind you of what happened on that day. And it's going to increase your intimacy with God. It's going to motivate you to walk out your new life in Christ. And it's going to, um, and it's, it's going to uh, give you power and victory over sin. Amen? So how does the Bible talk about baptism? It talks about baptism as a bath, as a washing. Acts chapter 22, verse 16. Um, I'm just going to start spouting off some verses. We won't go to all of them. Um, Acts twenty two sixteen. Paul has just had this drastic conversion experience, sees an open vision of Jesus while he's on the road to go ensure some these Christians are being uh, arrested and stop preaching the name of Jesus. He encounters Jesus, goes blind, and then God speaks to a man named Ananias and says, I want you to go baptize Paul and lay hands on him to receive the Holy Spirit. So Ananias walks in, are you Paul? Yes, I'm Paul. And he says to him, get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Baptism is a washing. Titus 3.5 calls it the washing or the bath of regeneration. That we are made new in the waters of baptism. Our sins are washed away and made pure by this washing of pure water. Romans chapter 6 verse 4, we are going to go here. It'll be on the screens. Baptism is not just a washing. Baptism is a burial and a resurrection. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, Therefore we have been buried with him, that's Jesus, with Christ, through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We were buried with Christ in the waters of baptism and were raised up with him. 
See, Jesus truly and surely died. He truly and surely descended to the grave. And he truly and surely rose up in a physical, in a, in a tangible body. And he ascended in the glory of his father. And his disciples saw this. And in the same way that Jesus died and was raised up new into new life and is alive to God. So that when we go down into the waters of baptism, we're buried with him. We actually die on that cross with Jesus in the waters of baptism. And we come up resurrected and new. Amen? This is so key here because this whole passage of Romans... For those that have been baptized, Paul's talking to people that have been baptized. Most of you in this room have been baptized, so I hope you're listening today. He says, in the same way that Jesus died to sin once for all and is alive to God, so too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. You are dead to sin. You are dead to sin. Come on, Jovan. He is saying the word with me. We are dead to sin, and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let's say that. I am dead to sin. <laughs> I am alive to God in Christ. Amen. And that will empower you to walk in victory over sin. Do you struggle with fear and anxiety? Do you struggle with anger and outbursts of rage? Do you struggle with lust or immorality. You can confess this word. If you have been baptized and come up, you can truly say, I am dead to that sin. I am dead to fear. I am dead to anxiety. I am dead to lust. I am dead to sin in every form, and I am alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you will speak that word out, Paul says that that in light of that, in Romans chapter 6, we are able to present ourselves as alive to God and the instruments of our body as righteousness to God. But it's got to be rooted in this, this event. It's got to be rooted in I went in the waters and I came out new. And you can look back at that church and say, that's the day I died with Christ and I came up in new life. And this, I'm not a slave to this sin anymore. Amen? Baptism is a circumcision of the heart. Colossians chapter 2, 11 through 12. It says that, we, that we've, we've cut off the old life and the, sin, and, and the sinful nature. We've severed ourselves from it. We've been circumcised. We've had a heart circumcision of the life of sin, having been buried with him in baptism. Once again, that language of burial and raised up in new life. We cut off the sinful life, and the old self. That's really good news. Because you know, the devil doesn't get tired of oppressing God's people unless we wear him out. Unless we wear him out with the word of God. Unless we refuse to let those flaming darts of the evil one come and strike our hearts and our minds. We take up that shield of faith and we say, no, what happened, I died. I cut off that old life. That's not who I am anymore. And I've been raised up with Christ Jesus and I am alive to God. Amen? It's a circumcision of the heart. Baptism is a clothing with Christ. Come on, Joven. Galatians 3.27 says, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Yes, sir. 
We're about to do a lot more of this, buddy, in, in a little bit, but I'm glad to see your excitement here. Um, so not only are we removing the old life, removing the old sinful nature, we're putting on Christ. We're clothing ourselves with him. My identity is now in Christ. It's not in the old life. It's not in that old sin that, easily, that can so easily entangle. And if you are entangled in sin today, you remember what happened there. You said, no, I died to that. And that's not who I am. My identity is in Christ Jesus. I've been clothed with Christ. Church, can you say with me, I've been clothed with Christ. Amen. Baptism, finally, is a crossing over. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 and 2. Just as the Israelites back in Egypt they were being delivered out of Egypt and they crossed over, they crossed over through the waters of the Red Sea and they came out of that slavery in Egypt into freedom in the promised land. Freedom to worship God, freedom to obey God, freedom to know God. In the same way, when we get baptized, we cross over through the waters of baptism from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. We are transferred from one kingdom to another. We're transferred from slavery to sin to freedom in Christ. We cross over in these waters of baptism. Church, can we say I've crossed over into the kingdom of God? I'm no longer a slave to sin. I have freedom in Christ Jesus. Amen. Man, I love this. This is how you wear the devil out. It truly is. I struggle with sin. I'm worry or this. I have this sin pattern in my life. You get out the word of God, beloved. I'm giving you ammo. I'm giving you the word of God as a sword of the spirit. I'm building your faith as a shield so that every flaming missile from the evil one will get extinguished the moment it tries to come near you. It'll wear him out. He'll come back, but you've leveled up. You've gotten stronger. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. That's why we got to keep at it. You don't just do it while you're getting attacked. The army doesn't just train when they're at war. The army trains in a time of peace so that when war comes, they're ready. Are you ready, church? Are you ready to stand against the evil one? Man, I'm getting excited today. So that's water baptism. Let's talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is exciting. You know, Peter promised us in Acts chapter 2 that if we repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you have not received, if you are getting prayed for today, people getting baptized, I just want to tell you today, when you repent, which you have, you get baptized, I'm going to tell you, we're going to lay hands on you and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the promise is for you and for all who are far off and whom the Lord draws near to himself. Amen? So it's a, it's a promise. This is a promise, church. What happens when the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes us and fills us and immerses us? Well, the primary thing he does is he empowers us. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Look at that with me on the screen. Jesus says right before he ascends to heaven, but you will receive power, say power, power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem 
and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth, Acts 1. So he empowers us. What does he empower us to do? First of all, he empowers us to witness. You'll be my witnesses. You will preach the word with boldness. It's exactly what happened to Peter in Acts chapter 2. They're speaking in tongues, and it says Peter got up full of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know it's a lot easier to preach when you're full of the Holy Spirit? (laughs) You've got God in you. That word is filled with God's life and God's power. Same thing in Acts chapter 4. He heals a man. Everyone's like, what's going on? Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, stands up and preaches the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4, we are praying out of today, the church is gathered again. And they're saying, God, give us boldness to declare your word that signs and wonders would be done through the name of your servant, Jesus. Stretch out your hand to heal. And the Holy Spirit shakes the room. And it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they declared the word of God with boldness. The Holy Spirit empowers us to witness, to be bold. You know, I had a friend that grew up, um, she grew up in a Baptist church, which God bless the Baptists. They know the word of God. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of Holy Ghost believing, spirit-empowered Baptists I've met. Um, but she was raised in a, in a church that was taught against the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit in this life and this age. And it took her some months. I mean, this woman, she was a Berean. She had to know that this was the word. So I'm unpacking the word with her and our, our, our other friends in our ministry are. This is in college. And I mean, this, she's going. She's reading the words, what I loved about her. Um, but there came a day months later where she said, I'm ready to receive the Holy Spirit here. Now she loved Jesus. She loved Bible studies, but she was kind of shy about even inviting people to Bible study, you know, but she's ready to receive the Holy Spirit and we're in a library (laughs) and I'm like, okay, let's go find somewhere to pray. So we found a place to pray in a library. Um, Holy Spirit likes libraries. Um, or at least he doesn't mind them, you know. <laughs> Some of those books he probably doesn't like in a lot of them. But um, anyway, he, uh, he loves his people. And he came and he met her and she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Very quietly spoke in tongues, which I'll get to in a moment. Very quiet. I actually couldn't even hear. I'm like, you know, is anything happening? Like, you can pray in tongues. She's like, I have been, you know. <laughs> she's been praying under her breath the whole time. Anyway, she's, she is just, in just a few moments, she wasn't like, on the ground, rolling around. I mean, she just was, she had the smile on her face. She was praying really quietly. And I mean, just such joy came on her after we, after we prayed. And then we're walking on campus and we walk by a friend of ours and just immediately she says, you need to come to our campus ministry. We meet on Tuesday nights and we're coming. And I mean, just her hand goes over her mouth. And she's like, what did I just do? What just happened? I, would, I don't do that. I definitely don't do it loud, and I don't do it at all. And I just said, you've been empowered to witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be witnesses. The Holy Spirit empowers us to walk out our new life in Christ. Let's look at Romans 5.5. 5. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within, uh, within our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us. The Holy Spirit, when when we receive him, the love of God is poured into us. Do you know that the love of God is the most powerful thing in the universe? I mean, it's, it's God is love. I mean, God's the almighty. There's no one more mighty or powerful than God. 
And God comes and he gives you himself, his own spirit. And he empowers you with his love. And I tell you, love covers a multitude of sins. Love empowers you to walk in freedom and forgiveness of sin. Not only in your own life, but to start extending that love and that forgiveness to other people. Because, you know, Jesus says those who are forgiven much love much. Have you been forgiven much today, church? You can love much. The Holy Spirit's been poured out into your heart. I'm going to read this. We won't turn there, but Ezekiel 36, 27. Ezekiel prophesies before the time of Christ. God spoke through Ezekiel the prophet and said, I will put my spirit within you and bring it about that you walk in my statutes and are careful and follow my ordinances. The spirit comes and causes us and brings it about that we obey God. You know, you may be wondering, how do I grow closer to God? I, I just, I feel like I, I can't obey God. If you got the Holy Spirit, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower me and you cause me to walk in God's ways. Lead my life, Holy Spirit. Come and help me, Lord. He empowers you. God said he would write his laws on your mind and in your hearts. And he does that with his own finger, with the power of the Holy Spirit. He causes us to walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit, and to produce the fruit of the Spirit. Finally, the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they prophesied in a foreign language. They spoke in tongues. And it was a witness to all the people of the nations gathered all around them. They were praising God in the languages of all these surrounding nations. Now the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that there's the tongues of angels and the tongues of men. There are languages of angels and languages of men. And so when we get filled with the Holy Spirit, some people speak in a language of a foreign nation that they've never learned before. They haven't studied it. They don't know it. They don't learn it. They start speaking in a foreign language of men. Others speak in a more angelic tongue, in an angelic language that our mind doesn't comprehend and doesn't understand. Why does God do that? Well, A, he's, he's making foolish the wisdom of the wise. <laughs> okay. Everyone thought they were drunk and crazy. So if you come up here and you're getting hands laid on you for the first time to receive the Holy Spirit and you're like, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to look weird. You are going to look weird. Okay. I'm afraid I'm going to sound weird. You are going to sound weird even to yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, but Peter boldly says, these men are not drunk. These men are not weird as you suppose. This is the, pro the promise of the prophet Joel that they will, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and they will prophesy. The gift of prophecy comes. Acts chapter 9. It doesn't mention tongues or prophecy specifically, but when they laid hands on the church in Samaria, the new believers, that power was manifested. All that power showed up. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius' house, they're filled with the spirit, they speak in tongues. In Acts chapter 19, Paul lays hands on some disciples he finds in Ephesus, and they speak in tongues, and they prophesy. Now, why does God use that gift? Why does he use tongues, or why does he use prophecy? I think that God wanted the word of the Lord in his church. 
I think he wanted not just a select few to hear the word of the Lord. He wanted all men and women to hear God's voice and to proclaim it and declare it and prophesy. Amen. Everyone who has, been, who has received the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says all shall prophesy. Men and women, young and old, slave and free. You will receive power. This includes visions, dreams, prophecy, tongues, healings, miracles, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I'm not going to go into a full teaching on the gifts of the Spirit today. But God wants his church to have power. Okay? Now, we charismatics, we got to make sure we're staying in our word, folks. You know, we get a little, we get excited about the movement and the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we have no life in the word, we have no grounding. Okay? But the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. These aren't separate. We've got word. We've got spirit. I tell you, if you come from a Bible-believing church, Paul is telling you, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. God wants power in his church. Power to heal, power to prophesy, and power to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And we've got to have the Holy Spirit for that. Amen? Okay.